Shalom Alechem. Alechem Shalom. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Eric Byron, the coordinator of the Ellis Island Discography Project at Ellis Island Immigration Museum of Statue of Liberty National Monument. Welcome, Eric. Well, thank you. Delighted that you were able to find some time and join us today. Um, I will confess that your project caught the attention of many of us here at the Yiddish Book Center when we read that you were looking for volunteers um, to help translate what I gather are a lot of recordings in Yiddish from your archive. The Is it the Ellis Island Disog- Discography sorry, um, project? Mm-hmm. So before we talk about the translation effort, I wondered if you could share just a little bit about the history of these recordings. And um, I believe they're all phonographic records, yes? Right. So tell us a little bit about the story behind the recordings. Sure. Um, We've been um, trying to start think where to begin. Uh, As far as specifically the recordings, uh, Edison, if I'm not mistaken, uh, invented his phonograph in 1877. By the 1890s, they were making records, uh, uh, primarily cylinders, later on uh, discs, uh, commercially for the general public. And very early on, they started to make recordings uh, by immigrants for immigrants. And that caught our attention. Uh, by the 1920s, Victor and Columbia produced, the early 1920s, I should say, Victor and Columbia produced more recordings for the ethnic market than for the regular market. Wow. Uh, who, who, can I ask, who was behind that? Who, who was making the recordings? Oh, the, the, the big companies were making the recordings. There was a market. And um, the, the large companies realized there was all this potential was here, that immigrants wanted recordings, um, so much so that by the 1920s, immigrants were willing to pay, from what I've read, I have documentation here, immigrants were willing to pay, uh, pay on credit, use credit, uh, to, to buy two things phonographs, and refrigerators. Wow. Um, and, uh, it's between 1900 or so and 1960, excuse me, 1950, um, the companies produced something along the lines of 30,000 records for immigrants, and that was about 5,000 records for Jews, primarily Yiddish-speaking Jews, and three out of every four were in Yiddish, and a huge portion of them spoke to the immigrant situation. And those are the ones on which we're, we're concentrating. I mean, mm-hmm. everything, every, absolutely everything <clears throat> would, would speak to the immigrant situation, such as, you know, they buy religious records because they want something, you know, from, that's religious and maybe suggests old country. But the ones, there's so many of these records that we focused on records that either directly talk about um, immigration coming over, all the difficulties, and they really spend a lot of time talking about the d- difficulties. Not only that, there's very little censorship during this time. 
what people felt they said. And um, uh, we're also interested in recordings that didn't necessarily directly speak to uh, immigration, but what they, they did speak to, what they did have, the language was an immigrant language. The language in, included um, English words and words derived from English, which, by the way, makes it very difficult for Yiddish people who are Yiddish speakers who have attempted to work on these projects mm -hmm. to, to be able to translate because it's filled with English and, and words that are based upon English. So um, Right, and, and, and I'm going to get to the sort of what the thrust of this project is in terms of you're looking for the volunteer translators, but I was wondering if I could ask you a few more questions. I'm sure. really curious about these. Now, who were making the recordings? Were they paid to make the recordings, or could just anybody come in? And and I gathered these were, they ran the gamut, as you say. Um, some were skits, some were songs, right. some were stories that were, you know, hard stories, stories about being here. Um, mm -hmm. And who were the narrators or the, the performers? Well, many of them, many of the performers also worked in the theater. As a matter of fact, I did some documentation to try to find out where some of these early uh, 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 retail places, photograph retail places, were located. And they seemed, at least in the New York area, very close to the theaters, the theaters along 2nd Avenue, some of the early Yiddish theaters on Grand Street, um, in fact, the, the Yiddish Theater on Grand Street from 1903 was the first theater built by the, the Yiddish-speaking community for Yiddish-speaking people. And so it's, it's just very interesting to see the, all the connections. In addition, a lot of the restaurants were located in the same area. So somebody may go to a theater, and then they wanted you know, uh, Aaron Lebedev or, or, or um, Ludwig Zatz or somebody like that was doing something. And then, well, we want his record. And, of course, there were a lot of records that were made by people who didn't necessarily perform in the theaters. But there was a, a tremendous demand. And these records were expensive. And they, the average record, I think, let's say in the teens, was 75 cents. That's a lot of look, money. That's a lot of money. Back and then. they could go up to 7 and $8. Now, those were very special records, but you know, even 75 cents a worker, in, we, we have it in our building, you know, how much people made. Some people, $3 a day, that was a lot of money. Right. And so 75 cents was an awful lot of money, and these records wore as you played them. It's not like you would have it necessarily forever. They wore. You know, you mentioned the price of these and also how um, the Victor Victrola company was behind this in, to a certain extent. And I found it really interesting and curious. On your blog, which I was reading, you posted um, an advertisement that I guess you found in the Evo archives. And if I may read it, I think it would be interesting mm -hmm. to talk a bit about this. Um, and the, pub, uh, the advertisement reads, Today and tomorrow, we will sell everyone a Victor talking machine or an Edison phonograph, free, without payment. All you need to do is come in one of our two stores and pick out a Victor or an Edison phonograph, and we will send it to your home free. And if the machine pleases you, then you can have it for a small weekly payment. So there's probably a little marketing story behind that, yeah? A lot of marketing stories. Now, I, I forgot the name of the person. Does it say who... Um uh, was behind it the name of the company? Uh, this one seems to be Victor Talking Machine. Oh, 
okay, many of these companies, and it was one in particular, would, would, they, would, they did just what you said. They would say, look, you don't have to pay anything. We'll deliver you a phonograph now. It doesn't come to, to my head. One very big one. As a matter of fact, he was the first to have uh, uh, an outlet on 2nd Avenue. And what he did was he would make such such a solicitation. People would, would go and they, they would respond and throughout the country. And then he would, he would have you know, his people come and demand the full price. Oh. Um, uh, uh, actually, I forgot. They would, he would ask for like the five dollars down or something like that. That mm-hmm. part I forgot to mention. He would ask for the five dollars down, and then um, uh, his pe- the, the, to get the phonograph. And then the people would would come and they would ask for the difference. And since the the the, 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 the people who bought it, the immigrants who bought it, couldn't pay the, the difference, they got the the, the the dealer got the phonograph back. This was a big scandal. Uh, and he wasn't the only one. His name is not coming to my mm-hmm. mind. But there were a bunch of others who did it, too. So much so that it, eventually I think it went to, um, there was an expose in Washington about all of this. And he did very, very well. Um, I mean, he ended up building apartment buildings uh, in, in, uh, in, uh, around 2nd Avenue, and he was in every business, and nothing really happened to him. Uh, it's, it's, in, it's a section, in, I guess, in, in the book that you looked at. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a section on, on him, but it's not coming to mind. Okay. That's um, because I'm old. No. You know, 20 years ago, it would be right there, but okay, go ahead. Not a problem, but yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that it was. That story relates to the victor by name, but in any case, it's just an indication that um, there was an oh, this, eagerness to get these machines into people's yes, homes. Yes, yeah. people really wanted these machines. They spoke to the people, and if you listen to the recordings, it, it's just so amazing. You know, they, 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 the yearning for what was left behind, no intention, at least among the Jews, really of going back. Mm-hmm. Other groups went back, but the Jews didn't really go back, but what was left behind, and, and at times being here, and maybe loving it, but at the same time, what is it all about? Um, uh, the scandal, uh, the hypocrisy, the corruption, that all pops up on these recordings, and they mention places. Mm-hmm. You know, they mention Delancey Street, they mention Orchards, they mention all of the, these, these places. Um, or, or should I live downtown or should I live uptown? What do I do? It's all there. It is just amazing. A lot of it in the skit is packaged in humor, but the humor conveys even more pain by being funny or semi-funny than if it were just straight out. It, it, it's amazing. And how did you come by this collection? Or have you just been sort of building this collection for some time? Well, what what happened? I've been interested in a bunch of things, but one of my great loves uh, I've always loved phonographs uh, so much so that when I was a little boy, you know, people went to sleep with their teddy bear. Mm-hmm. I went to sleep with my little Alice in Wonderland phonograph. <laughs> and then when I was nine, I made a, a little phonograph because I saw Mr. Wizard uh, on television how he made a little phonograph from a, a cone of, of, of paper and, and a hat pin. Uh, and I've always loved, well, when I got older, I loved Yiddish. I took Yiddish um, at Columbia, three summer courses, I think, and I got involved with a lot of Jewish things. Um, so I've always loved, loved Yiddish. 
all that's in the mix. Then when I started working here, it dawned on me, nobody has really looked, especially as a unit, at all these recordings, what they're saying. You know, it was part of the immigrant world. Nobody's really analyzed it. I mean, certain places to a certain extent, but nobody as, as a whole group. And it, again, it's just fascinating. You, you follow these patterns. You follow patterns like lexical interference, what English words pop in when and why, what's going on, the, 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 the troubles that some Yiddish speakers even had by the very fact that English words were popping into their language. It's all there. I, it, I don't know. It's just amazing. Well, it's a, such a window into the immigrant experience. And yeah. then um, in terms of the language, it's very transitional because it sounds like as part of the process of assimilation, the language is beginning to meld together. <laughs> yes, the language is, uh, the, the language, uh, and it follows a very, very specific pattern. Certain words pop in when. Now, some of it makes perfect sense. Boss, that makes sense. Landlord, that, that's, that makes sense. Other words, subway, uh, geographic places, all that makes sense. But other words, why are they there? Words such as all right, which is one of the first words to pop in. It's there, and it's used over and over again. You know, all right, all right. And, and another thing that's interesting is that, that happens with a lot of different groups. And this part I'm, that I'm, I'm saying is going to, it needs a lot more research. But it seems that certain groups, excuse me, certain groups that um, were planning to stay in America, who were more committed to being American, types of English moved in faster than other English words. Um, uh, watch your step. There's, there's a recording I have right in front of me. Watch your step. Hurry up. Uh, date. Uh, these type of words uh, pop in faster. I, I, again, more work needs to be done with a group such as, as, as you're just speaking Jews who weren't going to go back to the old country. They wanted to be American. Then let's say another group that wanted to stay here. I mean, wanted, wanted, really wanted to go home. Fewer of those words, again, this is off, my t off the top of my head, fewer of those words um, went in to the, the, the records compared to, let's say, again, like uh, the Jews, where a lot pops in. Um, I know you sent us a couple of recordings that we could select from. We'd love to play so our listeners can hear one of the recordings. And I wonder, um, is there one that you would like to speak about a little bit? Well, I have, I have uh, the same records right in front of me. Now, the first thing I have to say, unfortunately, all of the stuff is still copyrighted. Why? It makes no sense. Who's, who speaks these languages? We're not going to get, you know, a, a million uh, uh, sold. But um, so if anything is played, it can only be a part. Oh, absolutely. I just thought we could play, you know, maybe 15 or 20 seconds just so that listeners could... Get a sense uh, yeah, of what, I, what, what these recordings oh, sound the, like. Yes, I have the records right here. If you want me, I can play them on the wind of phonograph. Great. That would be p perfect. If, if it works. I, okay. I, I just put the phone near the... Uh, now, uh, I have a bunch of records. Um, uh, yeah, I, you, I have the, the Freilicher Hazen, which is, that deals with old country 
and it's a cantor who's in this country, and he's it's this country is so different than the old country, and 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 one side of the record sort of focuses on old country, and the other side of the record focuses on this country. Watch your step, which I I love. Um, that plays on it plays on English expressions, and uh, it's 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 a fun record. It's it's. Uh, uh, a, a, a woman um, is being told, you know, she should watch watch out, she should watch her step, just in, in, in life in general. And then it gets very specific where her mother uh, is warning her because she's she's going out with the boss, and the boss promises he's going to divorce his wife <laughs> and ma- marry her. Then Milhoma, which is excellent because that that's war, and um, that one deals with. Uh, the, the language mix-up. There are a lot of them that deal with the language mix-up, but in this case, there's one character who goes ahead and uh, he's telling another character, you know, that there's a war here now and it's it's really dangerous and, you know, America's a really a great country and he gets these letters from his his brother who's lived in America for 10 years and, and as he's explaining everything, words that are similar to Yiddish words mix, make a mess of the whole thing and by the time they're done talking about all of it, they decide it's better to be in, in, in Russia and having a war than in America where nothing makes any sense. And then business in America and fish on Shabbos. I don't know what is there anyone that you would like. Do you have a one that you're particularly fond of? Um, well, I like Watch Your Step, but the Freilachazen, a little on one side, a little on the other side, probably speaks the most. And it's Ludwig Sotz. He's very, very good. Okay, let's um, have you get the disc on the on the phonograph. I will. I'm oh, gonna put, oh, okay, that's great. And if you'll just the, yeah, hold the phone up next to it, that'd be perfect. Yes. I'm going to put one side, uh, a chunk of it, and then the other side. Then if you like, I can translate a little bit of the, the first side and the second side and um, so people get a, a sense of what's going on. Is that good? Sounds good. Well, and we'll, okay. we'll keep it short, but this is fabulous. Okay, let me hold on. I have to wind up the phonograph.
Okay, that's a piece of side one. That's wonderful. And I and do you want to tell us a little bit about what um, what was being sung or said? Yes, and then we'll do side two. This record is also um, a newer record than the others. Uh, by newer, I mean that they started to record electrically in 1925. The ones pre-1925 are more difficult to understand because they were recorded acoustically. People sang into a horn. Hmm. So this one is a little easier, uh-huh. a lot easier to understand. So let me just turn to the page, and I'll read you. <clears throat> uh, this is just side one, and it's Cantor singing. No, no, here is not what used to be at home. I still can't get used to it. No Shabbos, no holidays, no weekdays, no nothing. By they, I remember at home the fear to call Nidra, how everybody feared God. They all faithfully prayed in the synagogue, and then it continued on. Now I'll, I'll do the other side. And he does Yalel, um, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Okay, I'm, I'm going to do the other side. juxtaposition of the sound. It's incredible. And that's one of the things we try to analyze. Many categories, we break everything down into actually several hundred categories, but the music too, we're trying to find people who can break the music down and and explain it, you know, in writing, Mm -hmm. what's going on, how they're creating, in this case, it's very clear, the tension between the old country and the new country. Sometimes it's not as clear what they're doing to, to, uh, with the music to act up as, 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 as a force in the background. It's, it's just, it's all, all 
again, it's fascinating. Um, I'm not prejudiced, though. No, I'm just moved by it. I mean, it it is really incredible. Um, And I can see why getting this translated is both a challenge and such an an incredible um, project. Um, You want me to translate? uh, If you'd like to translate the last one, that would be great. The last, yeah, the little, um, okay, got to go to this page. Uh, I have to put down the phone first. Oh, here it is. Here we are. Okay. But in America is what? It's not the same. Here the prayers are in the theater, and men and women are sitting together. And some arrive earlier and some later. Somebody shouts down, hey, Joe, are you staying tonight for the show? They forgot about praying. And it continues from there. And it goes back and forth, old country, new country, old country, new country. Really, really important to get this translated. Uh, Yeah, especially the earlier ones. Mm -hmm. Because we've had people who speak Yiddish fluently and they don't get it. Right. We've had people from from the Evo program, you know, I'm not, um, who who didn't, one person, uh, I don't want to mention any names, but one person didn't realize it was Yiddish. A perfectly fluent person, you know, in, in Yiddish, did not realize the recording was in Yiddish. And that has hit us more and more, that if we don't have, in, in years to come, it may be impossible. Well, yeah, the the challenge is to find those remaining native speakers who understand all of the different nuances and mm-hmm, dialects mm-hmm. and all of the rest of it. So we would like to make sure that all of our listeners um, who might be interested in volunteering to help you both with the translation and uh, in terms of the music, as you say, um, understanding that in terms of the ethnography of the music, how would they get involved? How do they contact you? Well, um, what they can do is they can just contact me, um, uh, email me, and it would be Eric, E-R-I-C, underscore Byron, B-Y-R-O-N, at NPS, for National Park Service, dot gov, G-O-V. Great. And we will uh, share that as well when we post this podcast on our website and um, we thank you so much for the work that you're doing it's really really exciting challenging and definitely something that we need to preserve Uh, so thanks for joining us today and best of luck with the project well thank you very much lovely speaking with you eric same take care you've been listening to the schmooze a production of the yiddish book center in amherst massachusetts To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. This episode is produced by me, Alexa Sewing. And until next time, be well and be healthy.